there and welcome to Healing Her Story. I'm very happy to be spending this time with you and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Michelle and I'm your host. Today's topic is promiscuity, hypersexuality and risky sexual behavior. Sex is such a difficult and complex topic and one that is naturally shied away from. Yes, even today when so much is considered acceptable in conversation and women are so much more empowered than ever before. There's still a lot of subterfuge around the subject and so many lies that we tell ourselves and others. So many ways in which the world, and by the world I mean society, imposes its standards on us. Truthfully, this topic requires more than just a short podcast episode but it's certainly one of the things unspoken, and so I'm including it here. Promiscuity is another extremely loaded word among the many loaded words we've used in these podcasts. The original meaning of the word in the 1500s was to describe something random or disordered. By the 1600s, it was used to describe someone who was undiscerning in their choices. By the 1800s, it was used to describe sexual behavior, particularly the sexual behavior or perceived behavior of women. While the word is being reclaimed and the meaning once again opening up, there are still negative overtones in many sectors of society. The word hypersexuality is used to describe compulsive sexual behavior. And risky sexual behavior speaks for itself. I have experienced all of these. There's quite a bit of research and even more speculation around these behaviors and choices in as much as they relate to abuse. I'm not going to talk about that. The research is available online for anyone who wants to explore more. What I want to talk about is my own experience and the lived experiences of hundreds of survivors of childhood sexual abuse that I have spoken with in different countries over the years. It's something seldom discussed outside of support groups, and often not even in the sanctitude of therapy. But it's yet another thing that many of us share. It seems counterintuitive at first that sexual abuse in childhood or sexual violence in adulthood would lead to promiscuous or even risky sexual behavior. People often think that the natural response would be to shy away from physical intimate contact. Now, while this is certainly true for many women, it is not the case for a multitude of others. And it's really not that simple or that binary. Our responses and attitudes towards sex can vary over time And even in the short term, we can sleep with a stranger one night and be filled with self-loathing or feel nothing at all, and then not want to have intimate physical contact at all for a very long time. We can obsess over sex and even turn to pornography. Yes, women too, as a trauma response. The fact that this is not spoken about further isolates survivors and exacerbates our feelings of self-loathing and shame. 
I have spoken with women who are so racked with guilt and shame over their physical, emotional, and cognitive responses to sex that they are convinced that everything that happened to them is punishment for their own thoughts and feelings. When I was a young girl, around 12 I think, I fell with a bottle in my hand and sliced open the palm of my hand just where the thumb extends out, exposing the muscle. It required a lot of stitches and I was convinced that it was punishment for using my hand to masturbate. I didn't know the word masturbate. This was in the mid-70s and nothing was spoken about. Sex, politics and religion were taboo topics. At least they were where I lived. All I knew was that I had sinned and that this was my punishment. It may be useful to break down what happens when we are sexually traumatized. Trauma, especially in childhood, but also later in life, shatters us on the level of identity. If the trauma occurred in childhood, we had not yet developed a sense of self. A lot of what I cover in my various courses and programs revolves around identity. Our sense of identity lies at the core of our trauma. My identity and worthiness, or lack of worth, was built primarily around sex, around the way in which men responded to me. As I've mentioned before, the abuse began before the age of three. I had no identity outside of the abuse. This is an enormously complex issue. I've also mentioned in an earlier episode that I was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. This compounded things enormously. No explanation can do justice to my experience of life, but to greatly simplify things, the different parts of me took on different roles. I was both drawn to sexual encounters and repulsed by them. I found both validation in sexual encounters as well as self-loathing. As much as my self-worth was upheld by being desired sexually, it was immediately shattered in the fulfillment of that desire. I would come to learn years later that it was very much like addiction. It was something I both craved and hated about myself. Sex and love were so messed up in my head. As soon as I had feelings for someone, I could no longer maintain a sexual relationship. My body and my mind were completely separate, and I had no idea which way I would respond. Sex was both an escape and a wound, and it's something I still struggle with all the time. The first season of this podcast is called Things Unspoken, and our relationship to sex in the aftermath of sexual violence is definitely one of those unspoken things. As much as we are shining a light on sexual abuse and violence, there is still so much that is hidden, that we keep from the world and from each other because of the foundational shame around our experiences. And as we begin to try to heal around our trauma responses. Keeping silent about what we experience in the aftermath of abuse and sexual violence is as isolating and damaging 
as the silence around the actual abuse. It really is time to break the silence. All of it. It's also important to acknowledge that the same way in which each of our experiences are different, our trauma responses and our healing will also be different. It's my hope that we can destigmatize it all so that we can make the transition from shame to healing without the added judgment from society. Shame is a residue of trauma that separates us from ourselves and from others. Before I end this, I want to say something about sexuality and promiscuity. There is nothing wrong with having different sexual partners. There's nothing wrong with sexual experimentation and exploration. Sex with different partners can be a way of reclaiming your sexuality. There are both healthy and unhealthy ways of doing this. However and with whomever you engage in sexual activity, it should leave you feeling empowered and affirmed and good about yourself. It should be an embodied experience, not a dissociative one, and should not leave you filled with guilt and shame and questioning your self-worth. Unfortunately, we are fighting both ourselves and society on this front. I just hope that the world would continue to change so that young women are able to grow up without the societal stigma around women and sex. As always, I welcome your comments and responses. So please let me know your thoughts on everything I've spoken about. I've called this podcast Healing Her Story play on the word history because we need to heal from our past we need to heal from the collective past of all women we need to stand together and lift one another up we need to learn that while we may be shaped by our experiences we needn't be defined by them we're in the middle of our lives and we hold the pen i do hope you'll join me as i navigate my way forward i don't have all the answers i don't think anyone does but i do know that if we work on healing ourselves and we raise our voices, we can heal the world. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review it. Thanks for listening.